You're listening to episode 213, Biohacking, Chakras, and Transformation with Trisha Reed. Each chakra is in a certain place, if you will. Um, for example, one of my girlfriends got breast cancer a few years ago, and so to look at myself and to look at her, she's a body worker, and to look at where the negative energy had trapped in her body and past traumas that were all connected to the heart chakra. She had um, been doing body work on people, but also energetic healing, and she wasn't letting go, right? So she that energy got trapped in her body and the heart chakra. This is the dance of life. My name is Tudor Alexander, and we are going to go on a journey to hack your mind, body, and soul for living your best life yet. Tune in every week to learn something new, grow, and get inspired as we discover the secrets of success and practice the art of fulfillment. And if it's one thing I hope you learn from today, it's that your life is a dance. And just like any dance, you can learn to dance it well. What's up, superstars? Welcome back to another episode of The Dance of Life. Happy Friday to you. And taken away for us today is Socrates, good old Greek philosophy, philosopher, back in the day. To know thyself is the beginning of wisdom. I think Buddha said something like this too. You know, today we're going to do a deep dive in the human condition, biohacking, transformation, chakras, self-worth, self-acceptance, whatever you know about personal growth we're going to throw in there because we have a wonderful journey to share with you. My guest today is Trisha Reed. She's a self-love activist. She uses the human systems and she's been a coach since 1998 through a variety of different experiences like being a hairdresser, an ex-salon, a business owner, mom of two young girls, a Rotarian, ex-PTA president, self-love mentor, an ex-wife, tri-parenting, post-divorce expert, Anusara yoga, yoga mentor, and human potential coach. Today, Trisha integrates her life experiences in a variety of trainings into a novel approach with her clients. Her intuitive sense of flow guides her in creating authentic and compassionate space for others. If you want to check Trisha out a little further, it's www.perspectiveshiftcoaching.me. And she is opening up a discovery call for anybody interested in pursuing a little further anything that they learned today with her. You can email her at perspectiveshiftcoaching at gmail.com for a little meet and greet discovery call. Today's episode, we're going to be covering the gamut of a lot of different things. You know, I always, whenever I interview people, I just kind of let the let the energy just flow and see where it goes. I have my questions, but most of the time I just kind of go with what uh, what where the energy is flowing. So today I have a very interesting interview to share with you because I'm actually doing <laughs> some of the talking, which usually doesn't happen. But Tricia and I have a great stream of consciousness talk with each other, and we cover so many awesome, important topics that I'm always talking about here on the show. Uh, and Trisha's very well versed in those areas as well. And she is very inquisitive, you know, so she asked me actually a lot of questions. So be prepared. 
I usually don't talk in my interviews as much because I'm always asking the questions. But in this case, Trisha kind of flipped the script a little bit on me. She asked me a couple questions. So we actually have a good back and forth on a lot of different topics, uh, like I said, between the world of transformation. So very, very cool stuff. We're going to be talking about some biohacks, some uh, strategies for living a better life, a little bit about the chakras and energy healing. I mean, really a lot of great, interesting gems in this episode from both of us. So hope you enjoy it. Hope you find value in anybody in your life that you feel uh, some of these topics touch on. Make sure you share the episode with them, you know, or, or tell them about the podcast. Let them know. You never know what life you will change with your actions. I'm so excited to share this episode with you guys. A lot of great golden nuggets in here. Make sure you take notes. Here we go. Taking it away with Trisha Reed. gaming laptop that we share depending on who's working on a more important project and so it 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 would allow me to use bluetooth but i really don't want bluetooth up against my brain very often so yeah yeah i use these wired ones too they don't have any uh surprisingly these things you know i thought man these would probably have a lot of emfs but they don't they have like minimal uh emfs the little shitty ones i have that i actually ride my bike with they're like right right those things emit like 10 times more. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'd prefer not to. And then especially like with where all my Wi-Fi is like triangulated in my house, at yeah. least I can have my salt rocks over there and hope it changes something with the poison, but it probably won't, but whatever. <laughs> it's interesting. Yeah. I'm writing a book right now on uh, just all the crazy biohacking stuff I've done in the last like 18 years. And uh, you know, everything from like nutrition to health testing, research, all kinds of stuff. And with EMFs, like, it's so crazy how many things you think are, oh, they're fine, but they, you know, they have huge EMFs. Like, I tried this one thing called an Apollo. It's actually, it's an interesting device, but I, I told them, like, you guys need to reduce the EMFs on this thing because it's, they're way too high. Like, it's on a, you put it on your wrist and it's supposed to vibrate. So, it's yeah. basically sound therapy that you can put on your wrist. And they used to have these things called touch points a couple of years ago uh, to help you kind of relax, you know, do that parasympathetic nervous state. And so now Apollo, it's not a, the same company, it's a different company, but Apollo came out with these things called, uh, I think it's called just Apollo, Apollo Neuro or something. Super cool. You know, basically the vibrations like remind you of the ocean or these, it's really interesting because they, they have a certain like frequency and purr and you know, it's, it's a very interesting thing and they have a lot of clinical studies on it. I tried it, very relaxing, but then I'm like, oh, I wonder what the EMFs, these, these are like a Fitbit. They're like tiny on yeah. your wrist. I'm like, ah, yeah. I'm just curious. Let me just see. Yeah. And the field was like 40, you know, uh, whatever the unit is, you know, it's like, you know, the, the safe level is like two or three. And then this thing was at a 40, you know, so I'm like, okay, it's radiating right where my artery is. And I have to wear it for about 10 minutes at a time to get a benefit, so to speak. Yeah. So now all those blood cells going through, they're getting irradiated. Right, <laughs> so, right, right. So I was listening to a talk yesterday with Dr. Andrew Huberman and um, this other doctor, Dr. Dave something or other. And he was talking about people who are deaf, they can wear a wristband similar to that. And it tells their brain with just the vibrations 
what they're hearing to help them in some way. Like it sounded amazing. And my question was, what about the EMFs? Because I had been wearing an aura ring for like Mm -hmm. a good two years. And then I've been doing a coaching training with the Flow Research Collective. And my coach said, she said, well, you know, if it's not really tracking your sleep at night, because my um, heart rate goes so low when I'm sleeping. Mm -hmm. um, She said, what's the point in wearing it at night then? She said, because if anything, it's, it might be disrupting your sleep. Mm. So what I noticed when I would wear it, it actually made my bones and my joints ache through here. And then mm. when I was using a lot of the Bluetooth mouse, my forearm was doing the same. And so I haven't used it for the last three months. Wow. And I switched to a wire. It doesn't hurt anymore. Plus, I've been taking magnesium from bioptimizers. I don't know if you've heard of them, but that's a big deal. Is the magnesium will help uh, mend the bone. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with the muscle cramps too. I mean, some people are really sensitive to EMFs and if you're electrosensitive, I mean, it's, everybody's different, especially now with this 5g shit everywhere with the calcium channels and everything. It's scary. Like when you actually read up on it, like there's no, these things are being rolled out without any, you know, without any studies, without anything, you know? So you're like, okay, what can I do to kind of keep myself as healthy and as resilient as possible? Because obviously I can't control what's going on around me. Right. You know, so. so who do you trust as far as like sources for information on that? I know somebody near and dear to my heart only because I grew up with his name as like a household name, but who do you respect as far as input on the 5g and the EMS? You know, I'll be honest with you. I haven't done as much research as I would like to have done on it. I'm pretty well read in a lot of the other stuff that I talk about, like with nutrition and health, but with 5g, I haven't done enough research on it. I have done enough to be like, okay, this is not something that I'm you know, necessarily thrilled about, but there is a book uh, that I have called the non tinfoil ha- guide uh, to EMFs by okay. Nicholas Penault or Pinot. Okay. Okay. Uh, that was a very well researched book and it's easy to read. So that, that gives some good, kind of guidelines about just general how EMFs work and different studies and things and, uh, you know, different countries to do agree on different things. You know, you get the different studies that show leukemia was hit at two milligauss for children. And, you know, our thermal limits here in the U S are like 800 milligauss or some crazy shit. So, you know, it's uh it's an interesting thing. And I definitely think that 5g is going to come to stay, like it's not going anywhere. So the yeah. figure out, okay, how can I minimize the impact? on my body, you know, because I think, you know, especially if you look at, I mean, whatever, you can think whatever you want with the whole coronavirus thing, but there is. Are you opening that can of worms? (laughs) I I didn't want to, but now for some reason it's getting opened. You know, I'll tell you one thing. I mean, there definitely is something to be said about the effect of these technologies on calcium channels, on cells, on the structure of cells, how your cells communicate. And and when cells die and there's all these toxins released in the cell, especially a lot of people harbor a lot of toxins because they live an unhealthy life. You know, it, there is something to be said about the, the toxicity of that in your body and that creating you more, more susceptible, at least for whatever other diseases, you know? So I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, if, if there was some correlation, so. I so don't know. what introduced you into looking at your own biology? Oh gosh. I mean, that was, this is my hobby. Like I love yeah. looking at the humanness of everything we're going through. So, yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, it started with an accident like anything else. Right. I was, uh, in college, like around 19 years old <clears throat> and 
I had a panic attack from just a silly little experience. And at the time I didn't know what anxiety was. I didn't know what panic attacks were, you know? And so I went down the rabbit hole and it, it turned into like generalized anxiety. And, uh, you know, it was, it was pretty, pretty tough. They wanted to put me on Lexapro and all these different things. So I refused. Um, and at the time my mom actually introduced me to a researcher, a guy who had muscular dystrophy and, uh, but he was doing a lot of research, nutrition research, healing people, helping them, you know, take supplements, do testing, all this kind of stuff, you know? So kind of, I worked with him for several years. I mean, he passed away a couple of years ago and he was what introduced me very early on to this idea of biohacking of like taking tests, you know, taking your nutrition head on and reading the supplement labels, understanding what does what, you know, looking at the quality, uh, eating right. And all these things that uh, now today I've really espoused and, that kind of all started with uh, with that whole anxiety thing. You know, that's what led me to <laughs> find some more freedom, you know, through discipline. So yeah. what about you? What, uh, what got you into biohacking and, you know, doing all the things you do for your health? I grew up in a household. Do you want to press record? Do you, are you already recording? Oh, we're recording. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Great. Good. Okay. Perfect. That's what I like to do. I had somebody get upset with me the other day because I was doing that. I didn't want to miss out on the richness yeah, just of the interview. Free just, flowing, man. Let's exactly. Go for it. Okay. So I grew up in a household with um, a family that talked a lot about health and nutrition, but not really fitness. You know, we played mm. a lot, um, but we just ate really, really healthy. But that was when everyone still believed cereals and breads were healthy and whole mm. milk and all of that. Right. So, um, so I was living based on that. But then as I became a teenager and then a young adult, I, I just, you know, got rebellious as a normal young adult or teenager would, and I'm going to do things my way. And then within 10 years of that, I became very overweight and I was, married and unhappy and drinking wine and eating cheese and just being a mom of two young kids, just not happy. And, and then I realized there was a total reaction to everything I was bringing into my body. Um, I wasn't working in safe, clean environments. I'm a hairdresser. And so all of those chemicals were adding up with the stress and all of these ingredients aren't good for anyone. And it definitely isn't going to support um, a good nervous system. So I was a complete reaction and I ended my marriage of 18 years and had lost the weight, but the inflammation was still there. So I wasn't eating correctly. I wasn't sleeping correctly. Um, my dog's making noises. Sorry. <laughs> um, what kind of dog so, you got? Um, he's a mix between a beagle, a shepherd, and um, we think a boxer. Wow. But he's a little sweetheart. That's we quite got the him cocktail. Weeks. <laughs> he looks like a shepherd puppy. He's just so cute. Um, my daughter said she would have him, but she left. She's in the other room or something. Um, so I just realized that it wasn't healthy to stay in a situation um, we had been together for more than half my lifetime and I realized that wasn't helpful to our children and that the older they got, the worse they were going to see us just being reactions and we weren't mm. being the best versions of ourselves. And I had seen other people co-parent and do a beautiful job. And so I realized I had had all these wonderful influences before me and that could really happen for me and my kids, but I was introduced to podcasts by somebody that I went on, like in the first few months of the divorce, I went on a, one of the dating apps and this guy started telling me about podcasts and I had no idea. And then he started talking to me about 
um, mitochondria. And I was like in love, just in love because as I'm learning things that resonate with me, because my foundation about health and nutrition, um, it just made sense. It was like my love language was just like opened up. And Mm. so, um, I don't know if you've ever felt that, like where you just recently, somebody explained it to me is like the state of euphoria when you're learning something that you just really connect with. And that's like falling in love. Yeah. When like you're in total alignment with, you know, this is for you. Like you just, you resonate with it. Right. Right. So as I look at the biohacking community and as I look at these ideas, I realized my mom already had this information a very, Mm. very long time ago when she was in her thirties. Um, because she saw her body aging because of stress. She saw her body aging because she was depleted as a female. She'd had nine pregnancies. Wow. So I became really passionate about not becoming like my mom because I've learned that based on all of our ingredients of stress, the air, the water, um, chemicals, off-gassing, um, I was exposed to chemicals at a young age and then continued to work with them as a young adult and as an adult. So I realized the side effects that I had caused on myself. And even though I pride myself on my children being really intelligent, I'm sure I damaged them in utero by working with hair color and chemicals for cleaning. I'm curious like that. I never thought about that, but you know, it makes sense with all the chemicals that you are exposed to. Did you ever do any kind of a toxin test to see specifically anything that came up? Great question. I, this lady I met two years ago at the biohacking convention, the upgrade labs convention. Um, she did a scan on me and she was just shocked. She said, Hey, you have some interesting chemicals going on. And I was afraid. And so I didn't go any further with that Hmm. because what kind of scan was it? You know what? Part of me didn't quite believe what she was telling me, but at the same time, I never asked her exactly the name for mm. it. I could reach out to her. She and I both had gone through um, the Bulletproof slash Human Potential Coach program. Gotcha. I don't, I don't recall. It was like with a little laptop or iPad or something. She did this scan. So part of me was thinking. Oh, I, th- I think I know what it is. Do you know you what I'm your, talking did you about? You put your hand on like a thing, and then no, no, no it's not it's, that. It was like a. It really, she scanned me. I don't, I don't hmm. understand it. So yeah. part of me was skeptical and I just thought, okay, she's funny, but I just didn't quite trust what I was hearing. So I haven't really looked into detoxing on that level. Now to go into the detoxing part, um, I have used coconut charcoal and all of that for detoxing years ago when I lost all my weight. I just was kind of saggy and I told myself this is total chick moment. So bear with me. Okay. (laughs) That's all right. Go for it. (laughs) Mind you. Okay. So I'm about in between both my kids, I weighed a hundred pounds more than I do today. So everything was really stretched out. Right. So for a good five years, I was working really hard and just eating really healthy. And I told myself, okay, if I can do all of this with just being as healthy as possible, because I knew what I was capable of before, getting sucked into an unhealthy lifestyle. Um, Then I would consider like skin reduction or whatever. So at this point I paid for a breast reduction, but implants. So I kid you not, every time I take these coconut charcoals. Breast reduction, but implant? Right. Okay. So, so what the, does that mean? They took everything out and put something smaller back in? No, like the skin, because I breastfed both my children for okay. a year each. Plus I'd been overweight and lost weight. Right. Yeah. So I had the skin reduced and then they put an implant in. So this oh, is wow. embarrassing, but I'm not going to go at this point 
in my life, especially now, since everything's so up in the air, surgery would be ridiculous. But when I'm doing detoxification protocols, I kid you not, I feel like my body's trying to draw the implant out. So he reduced the skin and put a silicone implant in there. And so that's so embarrassing, but it's not something I'm able to take out of my body at this time. But the but usually those are safe though, right? The silicone, that should be, uh, that doesn't leak anything, right? Into your body. Great question. Great point. Um, you might think that because it's the firm one. Yeah. So with the firm ones, you just never know it. it is my body leaching anything out of it? You know, mm. just the same way as when we have water in a plastic bottle. I avoid drinking water out of plastic bottles oh, because yeah, I don't want too. the synthetic estrogens, right? So yeah. it's an endocrine disruptor. So the fact that I have probably an endocrine disruptor in my body, you know, just kind of not a lovely thought, but, you know, we only work with what we can while we can, right? It's crazy. I mean, there's so much stuff out there and you, you just don't realize it. Like people don't realize how different the environment is today than it was, you know, a hundred years ago. I mean, I've been doing hardcore nutrition and testing and, and all kinds of stuff for, like I said, like probably a good 17 years. And I took my first mold test, urine test in December of last year, 2019. And also like uh, environmental toxins and stuff like that. I'd never done that before. And it was an expensive test. So it was kind of cost prohibitive, but anyway, I got it back and man, I had like some, some serious mold in there. Like, I'm like, from what? Like I eat super healthy. My was it environmental? What was there a way to figure out where, you know, I, I don't know because I also did an air quality test in the home that I'm living in right now. And it was one of those things you buy off the internet, homeairqualitycheck.com or something. And so you you put this little pump in your room that you're testing. You know, it pumps for like two hours, and then you send it back and then they give you a report. So I put it in the kitchen and it came back with like really high VOCs and moderate amount of mold, but it didn't tell you specifically what kind of mold it is. You know, so the problem is that test is kind of useless actually, if you really, I mean, I don't know, because... For example, if you are trying to compare it to a test that you're getting done on your body, like a urine test or something like this, then the urine test is going to break down, you know, satratoxin, aflatoxin, all these other, you know, different serious molds, what, what you have. So unless you have something that also breaks things down, it's, it's hard to say if there's a correlation because some molds, you know, might get triggered because there's some, there's a lot of plants in the room, you know, they might have some mold spores, you know, who knows there's mold maybe outside on a de decent level and that's coming in. So it, it wasn't as actionable as I would like it to be. And when I looked into a local environmental testing company, um, you know, they come and they do the whole shebang. They can give you a breakdown report, like super ultimate certainty that, you know, <laughs> all, yeah. all these detail freaks that we love this kind of yeah. stuff, but it's super expensive. It's like $3,000 for, you know, four or five bedrooms. So I'm like, what was the other one? The other one wasn't too bad. It was like, I think 150 bucks. Okay. But again, you know, it's like, okay, now what, you know, do I get an air filter? I mean, they're not, you know, then which one do you get? Because there's a lot of science saying that, you know, you don't really necessarily need one unless you're, you know, hypoallergen, you know, immunocompromised. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to get another mold test pretty soon in about another, like, month or two because I take a lot of things to detox my body in general. In general, like good nutrition will detox your body anyway. Like what? You know? What do you use? 
Um, well, I mean, I, I'm pretty crazy. Honestly, I take a fistful of pills every day. <laughs> no, I know a lot of people that think I'm crazy and I know I'm oh, not documenting me. to the trust extreme. Me. I, like... I bet I'm crazier than <laughs> okay. you. I bet I'm crazier than you. But, um, I mean, I take a lot of stuff, but it's, it's all stuff that's super high quality of stuff that I've researched for ever. And, and I also base what I take on my genes too. So I've done a lot of genetic research, you know, cause everybody has different snips and stuff. And, you know, if you have, easy example vdr you know that's your vitamin d gene if you have a snip in that then your vitamin d needs are going to be way higher than somebody who doesn't and for me that's the case i usually have to take up to like ten thousand i use a day to get the vitamin d that i need to even just make it move you know so um so based on everything that i mean i take mostly i stick to the basics you know so i take a lot of like chelated minerals whole food vitamins digestive enzymes. I take some stuff on an empty stomach too in the morning and evening, like, um, you know, protease, bromelain, um, you know, some different things, basically for gut support. Cause I have a lot of, uh, I've had a lot of gut issues in the past. So basically I'm just trying to maintain that as, mm-hmm. as low inflama- inflammation as possible. But there's some stuff specifically that can help detox, like with heavy metals and mold, like boron. I actually been researching a lot and that's going to be in this book I'm coming out with. Because nobody knows about this. Like literally nobody knows about some of these things like boron. Nobody knows about boron. But boron is an incredible mineral that has been lost because the, the soil in our uh, farming has become very polluted, right? So you know about that. So basically the industrial fertilizers, they block the uptake of certain natural compounds into the plants. And boron is actually an essential mineral for plants. And so... Uh, there's a lot of argument. And I believe it's actually essential for human beings too. And so boron helps with, it's, it's amazing really. I mean, it's so cheap and it helps with regulating your hormones, estrogen, testosterone. It helps with detoxing from mold. It helps with detoxing, detoxing from fluoride, which is extremely hard to get rid from, from your body. Uh, I mean, it's a huge anti-inflammatory for all your anti-inflammatory markers. It helps to regulate blood sugar. I mean, there's a million things, you know, so most of the stuff that I take is very high benefit, low risk. I don't mess around with like herbs too much. I don't mess around. I mean, I take ashwagandha, but that's about it. But most of the stuff is just, I call it the basics. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's, it's, the, it's the unsexy stuff that you have to do every day, you know. <laughs> uh, you know, there's all kinds of stuff. Like I just bought this bottle of spermidine from uh, Spermidine Life. It's a new company that's now, they used to be in, they're in Europe, but they're uh, they're now open in the U.S. and, you know, spermidine is supposed to be the autophagy hack. You know, if you take that, yeah. then you can hack autophagy. But How it's is also, it used, though? How I don't know. Used? I don't know. I mean, you can take it on an empty stomach. You can take it you know, with food. But the, the spermidine is a compound in food, you know. So if you eat certain types of foods, you might be able to get some of it. But it's hard to get the level that's in this supplement, obviously. So, uh, you know, and it's supposed to trigger a lot of things like you know, autophagy, like all those things that the body does when you're fasting, that's, it's in a pill now, basically. So, but the problem is, you know, again, number one, it's $120 for a month supply, right? So that's a huge amount of money. With that amount of money, you can get digestive enzymes, probiotics, a couple of good minerals, some vitamins. I mean, you can get a shit ton of good stuff. Okay. So to that point though, can I, can I interrupt really quick? Yeah, no, go when for it. This is, this is, I'm interviewing <laughs> okay. you. You're, you're, no, like, I'm, you're I'm so easy to talk to that now I'm like talking on this show. Like what's going no, on? That's, I lo- no, you have to hear you're me. You're like, well, what do you think about I, that? I'm like, well, 
<laughs> I have a 14-year-old son and a 19-year-old daughter. Right. I'm a hairdresser since 1997. Like, I have to be able to talk to people, but I genuinely care to learn. So it's a big deal, right? Yeah. And I love everything you're talking about. So it really, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Okay, so what foods would you commonly find? You said bromamine? Is that what you said? No, spermidine. spermidine. No, no, but sorry, before that. Oh, before uh, that, you boron? were talking. Boron, yeah. Boron is supposed to be in really, I mean, like fruit, you know, like peaches, apples, these kinds of things, you know, okay. because uh, the trees will take them up from the soil. And, you know, normally, let's say back then, like 100 years ago, uh, the food had enough boron in it. And, and, and another thing, too, with boron, very fascinating, is it's literally like a laundry list of benefits. I don't remember all of them, but I'm just trying to remember what I wrote down right now, which is it helps to balance calcium magnesium in your body. So especially as a woman and, you know, as you enter menopause and all that kind of stuff, uh, what happens is you lose a lot of calcium in the urine, which causes osteoporosis. And so what they're finding is, you know, everything, nothing works in a vacuum. Everything is interconnected. So when you have calcium problems, that's either going to happen as osteoporosis, osteoarthritis, some sort of misplacement of calcium in your body. Well, why is that? Because A, you don't have other minerals like magnesium, phosphorus, vitamin D, A, K, all these things that are needed to kind of tell calcium, hey, don't go in the muscles, go in the bones, right? Mm -hmm. When it goes in the bones, like your teeth and your bones, that's good. When it goes in your heart and your soft tissues and your kidneys, you get kidney stones, those are, those are bad things. So, mm -hmm. but you need a lot of actors to keep that process running. And one of them is boron and not and everybody misses this mineral and they've used boron to successfully treat osteoarthritis. By, this is so important. It's, <laughs> you have no so, idea. It's crazy. I'll send you, I'll send you the chapter yeah. I wrote with all the references, but it's, yeah, it's a big um, deal because my yeah. mom is so brittle. My mom has been under oh, so yeah. much stress in her life. And what I've seen is, you know, this was brought to my attention years ago and talking to a friend who knew he was an alcoholic and he said, alcoholism leaches your bones of nutrients. And the more oh, I've yeah. looked into this in the last Absolutely. five years, when our nervous system is so off, whether we haven't dealt with, you know, unhealed traumas or like perceived traumas even can trigger this fight or flight. And then our, our visceral system, our digestive system, all of our systems are just in the panic mode. And then we can't absorb nutrients from what we're consuming. So we're not even digesting yet. We might still be eating. Um, so, for me, looking at like calming down the nervous system, and we're talking about supplements, people think one that of course there should be enough nutrients in the foods we're eating. Well, there's not. And so we take supplements. Yeah. Do you ever wonder what your absorption rate is about the supplements you're taking? Um, and how do you work with that? Because you want to make sure you're utilizing all these high quality ingredients you're putting in. And so this is a conversation I have with my clients. It's like, how do we approach first you calm down the new the nervous system so you can absorb the nutrients or do you, you know what I mean? Do you force yourself to absorb the nutrients by using a digestive enzyme? Like how do you approach that? Um, that's a good question. I mean, I've always taken the approach, especially in the last few years with my health, I've realized that there's never one answer to anything. There's always multiple things. And, you know, we like to have that one sexy strategy, that one hack that does everything, but really it's, it's a dance. Life is a dance, dance of life, you know, and that's ultimately learning all the different ping pongs that you are involved in and how to keep the 
to juggle, you know, working. And I think every person is different. And so the thing really to do is health testing. You have to have appropriate data to make informed decisions. Now, sometimes that's expensive and you have to make a budget, a health budget. And I think everybody should, because frankly, insurance for the most part is a waste of money. Doctors, even the good ones, uh, they have a clinic to run. And even the good ones, they don't have time for you. Like you need to be a player in the game of your health. You can't just be a passive patient waiting in line at the doctors. Like your health is the most important thing. So you have to engage regular health testing. Genetic testing is important because that's going to give you certain things about, you know, your propensity to create inflammation, your propensity to, uh, you know, absorb, absorb certain nutrients. Like I use self-decode. Self-decode is a wonderful service. I think it's the best one. They're constantly coming out with reports. They're constantly coming out with research. So it's an investment that you can use to see, okay, what's my baseline with some of these genetic things? Like do what's my VDR issue? Do I have an MTHFR gene with my B vitamins, that kind of thing. Um, and then, you know, you have other things too, like with digestion, most people have low stomach acid, whether that's congenital in the sense that you were born with it or nutritional in the sense that you are drinking a lot and depleting your body of resources. So most people will have low stomach acid. And so one way you can get a for sure, like yes or no, is to take a Heidelberg acid test, which is basically a, a mechanical pill you swallow. And then, you know, they put a little transceiver next to your stomach and it basically tracks several things it tracks your stomach ph when you're fasting it tracks how long it takes for something to leave your stomach it uh, it long it tracks uh, like when you take a sodium bicarbonate challenge to see how long how long does it take for that to reacidify right so all these things are valuable ideas because it's like okay if i'm if i have a you know slow stomach or let's say i'm moving so now i can target certain nutrition like i take beta in hydrochloric acid every time before I eat just a little bit, but you know, just to help the stomach out. What is out. that? Uh, that's just an eight, like hydrochloric acid, you know? So basically it's, it's adding more acidity to your stomach mm-hmm. because especially like I'm type A blood. And so usually those are lower stomach acid. And I did take a stomach acid test and uh, it was pretty much low stomach acid. I wasn't like extremely low, but I was in the borderline where you would diagnose somebody like with hypochloridia. So, mm-hmm that's enough for me. I mean, my history also confirms it. Every time I would eat a lot of meat or protein and stuff, it just would not, you know, digest that well. So I don't eat that much meat anyway. But um, so that's a, that's a big test is to see how your stomach is doing, what's your blood type, that kind of thing. Uh, And then, you know, I I agree with the nervous system. It took me personally uh, a long time to start to put boundaries, you know, between like, for example, just to eat lunch. Everything I do is based on appointments, you know, and especially if you're, you know how it is. Like you're yeah. self-employed, you know, so, you know, you got to say yes to a client. Okay, sure. Yeah. You know what? doesn't matter. I've worked 10 appointments in a row. Let me just do another one. You know, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> you can't do that. You can't do that. Otherwise you screw yourself, you know? So uh, learning how to say no, learning how to create a wind up and wind down routine, learning how to dance through the day, so to speak, with my circadian rhythm and have you know, essential oils at night to help me sleep, uh, you know, lavender body wash when I'm practicing my mindful shower at night, you know, doing mindful brushing, uh, you know, middle of the day, at the end of the day, all these little inserts in my circadian rhythm took me a while to get to, but the nervous system, especially if you're a go, go, go type person, you know, especially if you're go, go type person, you know, we can all relate to that, especially if you're self-employed. And I think that's super important because if you, if you don't, do that, then you're right. Like I think the nutrition you're taking in is only half the battle. And especially if it's 
not quality nutrition, then you're even screwing yourself further. If you, you know, you can't just go to GNC and get some shitty supplement, you know, no. because not all forms are created equal. And, you know, there's research on, for example, an amino acid chelated mineral versus something like, uh, I don't know, magnesium carbonate, you know, calcium carbonate or some other crap. Like that's chalk. You're eating chalk and it's not going to go anywhere. It might deposit in your kidneys, you know, so good <laughs> luck with that. But, uh, you know, so the form of the nutrient is important. Your nervous system is important. And then also health testing. I do another one that might be interest of you with your clients is uh, a spectrocell test. Okay. Spectrocell is a so a lot of people use hair testing to do like nutrient levels. And this is a fundamental problem with nutrition and, and coaching because ultimately when you do, when you take supplements, I believe everybody should be taking some kind of supplements because you're right. The, the nutrition just isn't there in the food anymore. Right. And, and even more importantly, so there's, there's that point that the food in itself is just not as nutritious, but the really crappy thing is that the environment is way more toxic so if the environment wasn't as toxic and the food was the same as it was 100 years ago, I don't think you need to take supplements as long as you live a stress-free, yeah. you know, you're nice and healthy. But the environment is super toxic. And so you need extra nutrition to get rid of it. You know, with your thyroid, for example, there's halogens like fluoride and bromide, which are in everything. And those things impede the formation of thyroid hormones in your thyroid. And so in order for you to get rid of those, you need to take a huge amount of iodine to get rid of those things to displace them in your thyroid because they're quote unquote stickier than iodine. They're a little more chemically attractive. So if it weren't for the bromide, then it wouldn't matter. You would get your iodine from, you know, whatever, eat some fish every now and then, but it's not the case, you know? So how are you, how are you incorporating that into your incorporating what iodine? Um, I take like a very high dose right now. I'm actually uh, in the process of, healing my thyroid and kind of, you know, doing all there's, there's a lot of research on it uh, from this guy. There's a couple guys, but one of them is called Guy Abraham. That's his name is Guy, Dr. Guy Abraham. Okay. And he did a lot of research on iodine sufficiency. And it's all going to be in my book um, coming, uh, coming up in a couple months here, but nobody knows about this because iodine has been very demonized. Uh, as like this, oh my God, iodine is going to give you, you know, Hashimoto's or it's going to, you know, kill your thyroid. Absolutely not. You need iodine. You actually, especially women, your ovaries need iodine, your breasts need iodine, your thyroid needs iodine, your other soft tissues need iodine. You have iodine receptors all over your body. So the amount that your body needs to, to really function is way more than what people think. And there's a lot of politicized stigma that went into creating the current standards for iodine, which is, which are, they're abysmal. I mean, they're nowhere the near what you standards, need. standards though, like when was that really established? Let's, let's take it there. Like 50 the, years ago. I mean, you know, something longer. like that. Yeah. yeah. And it was That's all the part that breaks was, my heart. It's yeah. like, we can do the research. We can get better answers. It doesn't have to be old fashioned information. Yeah. And there's quality. There's a ton of quality research out there. It's just, the problem is it's not mainstream and you know so it's uh it's not very known about that's why i'm you know my goal is to get that information out there and really promote it book out there (laughs) get that book seriously i mean it's uh it's crazy because they're literally the 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 standards that we have for measuring again with iodine measuring iodine in terms of how much is healthy quote-unquote for your blood uh how much you need all this they're literally off by a hundred there's it's a factor of a hundred and and it shows because if you look at the incidence of Hashimoto's, breast cancer, ovary cancer, 
they're uh, increasing like crazy in countries that have low iodine intake, you know, compared to, for example, Japan, prior to them establishing like a Western diet of dairy and eggs and, you know, all this kind of stuff, they had like practically no incidence of cancer, especially no breast cancer or ovary cancer, you know, because their intake of iodine was so high. And, uh, you know, now with all these other toxins and stuff, like you mentioned, it's crazy. I mean, the, the effect is, is really important. I mean, iodine has so many roles to not just your thyroid, to preventing cancer, actually preventing viral infections. It's, just, it's crazy, but nobody knows about it again. You know, it's so amazing. it is amazing. It's, it's really amazing. And I think that if you can implement, again, health testing uh, on a regular basis, you can understand where you are and get data. Like there's an iodine, 24 iodine loading test where you basically, I mean, it's not the most fun thing in the world, but you pee into a jug you know, and you slosh it around the day for a little while, but uh, you pee into a jug and then you send it to the lab. And then the lab tells you, you do, you do a challenge pill before that. So you take a big dose of iodine. Okay. It's not going to kill you. Iodine's fine. They've used iodine back in the 1800s in doses that you couldn't even imagine how high to actually treat things and nobody died and iodine's fine. So you take this challenge pill and then you pee it out. So basically how much your body retains is a measure of how much your body needs. So for example, if you take a certain dose and then you pee out, you know, only 60% of it, then your body's hungry for iodine. It still needs iodine. How are you iodine. measuring it though when it comes out? How do you even... There's a lab that has very specific you know, oh, okay. measurements of it. Yeah. I mean, the lab does it for you. And they also measure your levels of, uh, of toxins like bromide and fluoride. So if you have high bromide and fluoride, then your body's trying to is using the iodine to get rid of that stuff first. You know, so those kinds of things, doing those regularly will, will prevent you from doing anything stupid, you know, or going overboard, you know, and also knowing how much you need. You know, in my case, uh, I, I need a lot of iodine, just like with vitamin D, I need a lot of iodine because there's a genetic issue. So genetics play a huge role in customizing everybody's nutritional needs, you know, and that's why testing is also important too. So, so how has your exploration with health and wellness affected your family or your loved ones and those who have similar <laughs> things going on? How has that been? Well, that's a good question. I'll, and I'll shoot that back to you after I'm done because <laughs> like my parents, I'm, I'm an only child. My, I don't have any okay. siblings. My parents, you know, I forced them to take supplements at this point. I'm just like, look, you need to do, my mom is very into that kind of stuff. She's always, you know, she wants to be as healthy as she can, but you know, she, they, they come from the old school. They're, we're Eastern European. They come from the old school and uh, the old school is, well, you know, you're going to die anyway, or, you know, ah, we've been doing that for 50 years. You know, what's, who cares? It's not going to kill right. you, you know? So there's definitely no it, you know, attitude about like personal growth or hacking or tweaking things or constantly asking questions. Like that's just not part of the, the yeah. culture, you know, that wasn't part of the culture. You just kind of did your thing and you, you just lived your life, you know? So, uh, so my dad's a little harder, but you know, I still get him some supplements. I'm like, here, just take this, you know, there's certain, there's certain things I think everybody should be taking. They're just so yeah. simple and so important, like nitric oxide. You should be taking that, or at least eating as much arugula and spinach as you can every day. You should be taking EFAs. You should be taking boron, <laughs> you know, you should be, so there's digestive support, you know, so there's certain things that they're not going to hurt you at all. There's no chance of overdosing. There's no chance of risk at all. 
but you should be taking them to support your body, especially as you get older in age. You know, women for sure should all be taking boron, especially the older, if you're in menopause or beyond boron, absolutely. You know, it's, it's such a, it helps with estrogen. You know, it's, it's crazy. So I have my mom do that stuff and, uh, you know, she, they're doing good. You know, they're very as healthy as they're going to be. Let's put it that way. (laughs) I wish they would do some things differently. I mean, my, my dad still eats like, crap i mean he just he loves comfort food he just loves comfort food and it's a mental thing it's a it's a value thing i'm like look it's all about what you get used to you know i I used to crave all kinds of crap now literally i i have reprogrammed my gut microbiome i've reprogrammed how what i crave i don't even i'll drive by i saw an actually a commercial the other day for like a I don't know, it's like a jack-in-a-box or something nasty. It was just nasty. Like, it was just, you're like, oh, big, juicy burger. And you're looking yeah. at it, you're like, oh, my God, that is disgusting. Like, do people actually crave that? <laughs> <laughs> so, it was an interesting, you know, it's like a proof of progress. You know, like, oh, wow, okay, I'm, I'm doing good when stuff like that doesn't trigger me and make me want to go buy a burger. Like, I really had no desire whatsoever. Yeah. So interesting. You know. So, okay. So we have to go there when you eat certain things or now that you've eliminated certain things, do you notice pers- parts of your personality that you thought were set have maybe gone away? When like I the eat cleaner, like the cleaner your life gets with yeah. your ingredients. Yeah. Do you notice a difference in maybe parts of your personality just kind of going away? It's like when I used to feed my kids sugar when they're really little or yeah. grandma would, I wouldn't purposely grandma would we would see the spike and crash and I literally labeled it their sugar bombed because their personality would change. And so I feel that parts of people's personalities, once they start eliminating these toxins or it's going to take away parts of our personality that really aren't meant to be there. Um, And to your point about craving something when you're driving by, it was once explained to me that um, the connection people have with sugar is they're constantly chasing the high that comes with the sugar oh, yeah. it's the before the during the after but the, that sugar craving literally is you know as intense as like a heroin craving now i've oh, never sure. used heroin but i i could see where that would be triggered and so i find that the more i go on my own journey with eliminating sugar and not focusing on carbs as being my fuel source i don't get that craving when i drive past a donut shop that was referred to in in that comparison and so it made me realize actual addiction when you're talking about comfort food what is it that is triggered in them um because i look at my own parents who are in their mid-70s and the ways they've evolved and then kind of regressed back into their childhood ways and it's more comfortable for them um and it brings up old personality traits that maybe aren't as nice or refined as you know what i'm saying like are they still eating a lot of comfort food and stuff or nothing that you've done has rubbed off on them well that was the strange thing it was like once all of their kids had moved out the facade was up they stopped Mm. eating healthy they started eating their own comfort foods wow that's interesting after all those years you'd think that the habits would be set in that's interesting And they were not they were not so that was interesting to watch well, you see, that that's an interesting thing. I remember I actually spoke to somebody on another interview uh, a couple of weeks ago about don't ever get too comfortable with your habits, you know, because even if you do something for several years, certain habits, you don't ever get rid of them. You just put another habit on top. And so that bottom habit that was like a, you know, a negative habit or not useful, let's put it this way. It's always waiting for a reason to to lash out, you know, and so always treat it like day one. That was, that was the lesson is, is live like it's day one because 
if you get too comfortable with your habits and you kind of just be like, ah, you know, I got this, like, then, you know, you don't, (laughs) then suddenly you get an option to do it back the old way. And then, uh, you know, it, it resets and suddenly that's like rewarding all the parts in your brain light up that they didn't have light up in a while. And it's, it's fascinating. Yeah. That's crazy. So as, um, as an entrepreneur, and, and your coaching and your busy schedule, do you find that rigidity and having um, like no, no, like certain non-debatable things like you always do to maintain your, your busy lifestyle? I would say so. Yeah. I think a big one is drawing boundaries. I think that's, that's just a big one. It's like, okay, for sure. I'm not going to start seeing anybody until after 1 p.m whether it's a podcast interview, a coaching session, a training, anything, anything else that I'm doing, I try to leave all those things till after 1 PM for the reason of, for several reasons in the morning, I don't use an alarm clock to wake up. I let my body just wake me up however it wants to naturally, because that's a good indicator to me of how's my circadian rhythm doing is, you know, is my cortisol off? Like what's going on? You know? So that's, uh, that's something I want my body to determine because I notice every time I use an alarm clock and force myself into a wake, it's just like your body's still trying to catch up, you know, like it knows when it needs to wake up. And so if you can afford to do that, then I think there's plenty of research to, to show that letting yourself wake up naturally is, is the best way. I mean, we didn't have alarm clocks before you had the sun, right. you know, and that was yeah. your alarm clock, you know, and so you woke up when it got warm. Uh, you didn't wake up with something going, rawr, rawr, you know, in your, no. in your ear and stressing you the hell out, you know, so... Um, so I like a nice buffer in the morning to, to do that. So I set that boundary after lunch to, to do things, you know, and there's certain things like with the supplements I take, the testing regimens that I do mindful eating before I eat, I try to be, you know, grateful and mindful and sort of prime all those things in my nervous system, uh, before every time I eat, you know, and I have those little mindfulness breaks throughout the day, you know, so saying, no to work and saying yes to like being present, being here, being in my body, uh, you know, and it's, it's paid off. I mean, right now, like I said, I don't even crave any kind of sugar whatsoever. I mean, I'll have maybe some dark chocolate every now and then, but like, I don't crave garbage at all. And it's, it's, it's cool. You know, it's really cool because even in the past when I was like, quote unquote, healthy or trying to be healthy, I would still have cravings, you know, but now I'm at the point where I know for sure that something has changed because like, I just don't, like, I don't crave that stuff at all, you know? So, and I want to also just to your point about certain behaviors changing too. I don't know what the cause of this is. Maybe it's the discipline of everything I'm doing, or is it, you know, the food and the energy of the food? I'm sure that's part of it too. But um, I, I find myself a little more balanced with my nervous system. I'm naturally very like, go, 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 let's do it. Come on, push, you know, that kind of thing. But obviously that will run you, you know, dry after a while. So you have to learn, <laughs> you have to learn the feminine side of it, which is okay, relax, be in the flow, you know, be patient, all these kind of things, let go, surrender. And uh, it's been a real journey, but now I find myself making decisions a little differently too. You know, in general, I don't make them as imbalanced as before. You know, I tend to have a little more patience. So I'm very grateful for all the lessons that I've had. I've had some crazy experiences. So, and I'm grateful for them. I'm grateful because they taught me to be patient and to, accept my body, accept my limitations at the time and work through them, surrender to the process, all those kind of things. So it's a journey for sure. It's a journey, but it's worth it. The end is worth it. So a big thing that's coming up with my clients and my coaching colleagues right now is the idea of community. 
has your community supported you in your journey? Um, gosh, I don't know. Like, I mean, I don't have a huge community. I mean, I have a, like a big Facebook group, I guess, with uh, gratitude practice, but I don't promote myself there too much. You know, I don't, I, it's all about other people and just sharing positive things. And, you know, it's like a chance to basically just be grateful every day, you know, so I don't promote myself there. Um, and then, you know, as far as like my own local friends and stuff, you know, I mean, we kind of, we don't really chat like every day, you know, I have like a couple good friends that I hang out with every so often, but you know, we're also entrenched in our, <laughs> in our own crap right. that right. We, we, there's not a lot of, not a lot of that. Um, but you know, I would say that I have a lot of healer friends, you know, friends that are very positive, very encouraging, uh, very, you know, uh, talented in, in certain ways. And, and, we all kind of collaborate, you know, so with, with my clients and stuff that I see, if I say, Hey, you need to go see so-and-so for some emotion codes for some emotion release, you know, therapy, I can't do that, but I know how it works. And I know it's going to help you. So go there. Or, you know, uh, one of my friends does dance therapy, you know, I teach dancing, but you know, he does dance therapy and he does all kinds of movements and emotional release and stuff. So, if that's something that I'll recommend, I'll recommend to him and we, we bounce back off each other. So in that sense, we kind of support each other and, uh, you know, encourage each other's work and so on. So, yeah. Nice. Nice. What about you? What's your community like? I mean, what, what do you have a group that you're in? Do you have kind of big email list that you work? Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Um, yes and no. So I have my, I have a couple of different groups I get to work with. So I have my hair clients. I have, um, my clients that are more the parenting coaching stuff, um, the yoga stuff. Um, so I have a little bit of a lot going on, yeah. but then I have my business coaching group that I'm meeting with two or three times a week. And then I have my neuroscience flow research group. I'm meeting with two or three times a week. Wow. So what's that all about? Very, oh my gosh. It's so fun. Do you know who Steven Kotler is? No, I haven't heard. Okay. Of him. So Steven Kotler, the first time I heard of him, it was on a mind Valley podcast or something and he had written this book talking about your most transformative purpose and how you discover what you're meant to do based on your likes and so as a mom I was trying to guide my kids and just say you know let's really dig into what you want to do so for example when I was five I started realizing mom and love and hair means attention and love. And so I started deciding what I wanted to do. So I want my children to discover what they want to do. And so his words really gave me a new set of skills to work with and helping my children funnel their direct attention onto mm. something they love and validating their journey with it. And so um, at the beginning of the pandemic, he started to have these talks that you could listen to. And it was pointing out, um, uh, peak performance in the time of a pandemic. And so all of these conversations about um, positive psychology and neuroscience, and I went, oh my gosh, I love this stuff. Well, he's eight time Pulitzer Prize winner. Wow. And he's just brilliant, but he's dedicated so much time through his teen years into focusing on or watching extreme athletes um, and then corporate athletes and then looking at what's the driving focus. Um, and what motivates people to be high achievers and put them into these flow states. And so we're actually being trained to go into these flow states. Nice. And so it's really been fun to see the humanistic side of what I'm going through, but then to connect it with um, my human potential coaching training and connect it with my yoga research and my yoga on your 
teacher training and, you know, all of these things that life has guided me to was because of the in-between of what I went through with my health. And um, I just see that putting myself into a state of flow is really helpful. And I knew how to do it in a salon environment. You know, all distractions were eliminated. It was just me and my client, but I didn't know how to, to do that at home with the pandemic and working on other business projects because all of a sudden life took away the salon and said, but you yeah, get to the do physical your hobbies. Space. You get to do your hobby jobs and focus more love on that. And so mm. the nurturing of myself and my children and other relationships, meeting new people um, that were more in alignment with where I want to be going with the biohacking community. Our big conference was canceled at the end of March because of this. And then it was postponed. And now, you know, it's just, that was um, a motivating factor for it's like a prize. Like, Hey, I'm working really hard on my health and nutrition yeah. and being mindful and look at all my coaching colleagues and get together and all my teachers and trainers. And that was taken away. So to have this other group that could hold space for me in that way and talk about the humanness of what we're all going through. Um, Dr. Barry Kaufman, Scott Barry Kaufman, he wrote a book and it came out like two weeks into this and it talks about Maslow's law of hierarchy and that our perception of what we're going through, um, and, and how our hierarchy of needs um, is showing up, especially during the pandemic, but it was perfectly placed. Like, I don't know about you and your experience with COVID, but mine has, it's been hard, but it's like, I can see where life has guided me to yeah. be exactly where I'm meant to be in Absolutely. that moment. Yeah, so this book really held, it helps. It just helped to see like the normal side of what we're all going through and yeah. to be able to talk to my kids about it. And it just gave me peace, you know, so did you have anything like that during the pandemic that like soothed you? Oh yeah. I mean, every day has been day one, honestly, like I said, it's just, I've had so many, so many crazy experiences and it was all really a practice of, uh, of faith. I think of just really living this year, especially was a year of practicing all the things that I've learned about gratitude and, and uh, you know, mindfulness and of living in faith. Honestly, I, I think I've connected more to my faith and not in a religious sense, but just, whatever you want to call it, the supreme intelligence, God, the universe, you know, there's, there's something there that's always guiding you. And uh, when you align with that, everything truly does happen for you. Even the crazy yes. shit, it really does. And yeah. uh, when you get that, I mean, like case in point, I'll tell you a story. The other day, literally the other day, I had something really crazy happen to me and it ended up being like an amazing experience, but it was fucking scary. So I'm, at night, you know, I'm at night, like basically just getting ready to sleep. I've kind of feel tired, but then I start perking up a little bit. I'm like, eh, that's weird. Probably just cortisol's off or some kind of, you know, I'm doing a lot with my body right now. This stuff is changing. And so I'm laying down and I notice that my resting heart rate is kind of a little fast. It's like, you know, 80, 90, usually it's supposed to be, you know, like 60. I'm usually pretty slow. And, you know, I can't sleep. I toss and turn, you know, I take, you know, another take a little more taurine, you know, other things that I know that help me kind of relax and sleep. And then around like five in the morning, I noticed my heart rate just going faster and faster and faster. Now I've had panic disorder. I know what panic disorder is like. I know it very well. And I'm like, this is not a panic attack because I, you know, I wasn't having anxiety. Like I'm, I haven't dealt with that for 12, 15 years, whatever it's been. So I'm like, this is weird. And I start getting chills. I start getting like chilly my heart rate is like 130, 140. I'm like, fuck, I'm dying. Like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. 
like, I literally didn't know what it was. And so I'm like, well, I better go to the emergency room. Like I, this is the only choice. Like I hope to God, like, thank you God for keeping me safe for allowing me to, you know, uh, get there, you know, safely and, and, and so on. So I get to the emergency room and by the time I get there, after they check me in and give me you know, all the stuff, I'm laying in the, in the, whatever the area there, the room that they gave me. And it's, you know, I've calmed down by that point, you know, so they run labs, they do everything. They literally can't have no idea what it is. So I get some labs back cause they did the labs. And I noticed that my thyroid was even worse than it was before because I, long story short, realized that I was dosing my iodine too little. And it was, if you dose it too little, other things can happen. And it basically your body starts reacting, but it doesn't have enough to react. So it slows, you know, so you get a, an undesirable effect, but I've been long story short, I I've been dosing it too little. And now it got to the point where I was like hypothyroid and hypothyroidism apparently can cause something called supraventricular tachycardia, which is a fancy word for your heart beats really fucking fast for no reason. And then it stops. It's so commonly misdiagnosed as a panic attack. Now the lady who was there as a doctor is a cardiologist. And even she didn't know to ask me about that. And so I'm sitting there in the room. I sat there for, I didn't sleep. I had, I was in the emergency for seven hours. Then I had two huge podcast interviews I had to do and be super, you know, present and, you know, like talkative yeah. right after that. And then I had a meeting with another person. So I was like, my day was packed. I'm like, fuck, I have no fucking don't way. Don't have time for this. Don't have time for this stupid shit. <laughs> right. Like what's going on? What is the Lord? Like I'm, I'm all the time I'm there. I'm like, thank you Lord for sending me answers quickly to all of my questions without even me needing to ask them. Thank you for sending solutions quickly. Thank you for helping me, you know, realize the purpose of this, you know, and I constantly just affirming all the affirmations I'm always doing. So I'm sitting there in the room and I shit you not like in the room, there was this TV and the TV was off. And as I'm going into my mind, I'm like trying to think like what, like you have to imagine, like I know now what it is and now it's completely harmless. Like this is a completely harmless issue. And as soon as the iodine and thyroid gets back to normal, like this will never happen again. And it never happened before. So it happened just at the right time to get me to test my thyroid so that I would alter my dosage because if I had kept doing what I'm doing now for another month, I would have been screwed even more. So this happened for a reason. But now anyway, get this. I'm in the room and there's a TV there. It's, it's turned off. And I'm sitting there and as I'm questioning everything about my life, I'm like, what could I have taken? Do I think I'm smarter than health? Am I bullshitting myself with all this biohacking stuff? Like you stupid fucker. Like what did you No, this is where my mind was yesterday. (laughs) Seriously. This is a conversation I had with my therapist yesterday. I'm like, Like, this is stupid. Like what the fuck is it all worth then? Like, what is it all worth? I get to be alone at home with COVID. My kids got, you know, like, and I'm working my ass off trying to be so healthy and productive. I'm like, what the fuck is it for? What is it it all all for? for? What is it all for? And you have to come to that point. You have to come to that point, I think, because that's the point when you really get deeper in why you do what you do. You know what I mean? It really is when you get deeper into why you do what you do. And I'll tell you this story. I was in in that room, like literally questioning everything I've done for the last 15 years. I was even questioning, I'm like, should I even write this fucking book? You know, am I I full of shit? Am I giving bullshit advice? You know, so basically it's like rock bottom, you know, in your own belief system. And it was scary. I mean, it was a scary experience, you know, when you have no control over something as primal as your health. And on the TV, as I'm questioning all this bullshit, on the TV, the TV turns on. <laughs> the TV turns on and there's a logo there from LG. And it says, life is good. 
And I look at this thing, and as soon as I get the message that the universe intends for me by with this random event, not so random, the yeah. TV turns off. It literally just turned on. Life is good. Don't worry. Then it turned off. I'm like, I you have that. got to be shitting me. You've got to be shitting me. So anyway, after that, I headed home. The interviews were great. I did more research. I found out, wow, hypothyroidism actually is related to this fluke of a fucking problem that I had. I've never experienced it before, but apparently there's research that it can happen. So obviously the iodine was the, was the issue. And I didn't, I talked to the researcher that I used to talk to and he's like, yeah, you need to take more iodine. I did some research and found out there's all kinds of genetic variants you can have. And if you, if you have certain genetic variants, you need a lot more iodine and there's research for that stuff that I never even saw or knew about. Nobody tells you about this shit, right. but the universe, my body was so smart. And here's what I think. I think my body, your body knows what to do and to tell you. My body said, you know what? There's no way it can talk to you, but it can talk to you through symptoms. So this thing happened to freak me out, to go to the emergency room which is the only yes. place that would have been able to test me right now. And, you know, so everything is fine. And that was a lesson, you know, I've learned I'm great. It was, it was a big bill and it was like $2,000, but you know what? I can make yeah. payments on it. Number one, number two, that's actually a small price to pay for the spiritual lesson that I learned. I learned so many spiritual lessons from that day, literally like a couple of days ago of how to live in faith, how to practice all these different things that I talk about. It was a, it was an excellent lesson, and I'm glad that I learned it without having to have a chronic disease, without having to have cancer, without any serious thing that usually teaches people those spiritual lessons. So I'm glad it was these little flukes that taught me the lesson and not something huge. So it's like there's always a reason, you know. So that literally happened to me like two days ago, a day ago, whatever it was. And it was nuts, man. <laughs> so the best part is, though, is that you're looking for moments to testify, hey, life is guiding me. Yeah. And then think of how many tools and resources you just gathered to guide your clients. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's my favorite part. About Everything happens so we can serve. Everything yeah. happens so we can serve. And you have to remind you, especially, you know, I think once you commit to being a servant, the universe says, okay, well, here goes. I'm going to send stuff your way so you can be a better servant, you know? So you have to walk the path of everything that you're helping people with. You can't give something that you don't have, you know? Right. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's, it's great. I'm, I'm grateful for all of it. And that's why I think, you know, when you, like you said, you have to find the evidence, you have to find the evidence for the good things that happen in your life. Because when you find the evidence and you can reaffirm the evidence to yourself, and that's how you manifest more of that stuff. Your brain is already finding evidence for why the life is unfair. It's shitty. It's the world's out to get you, why you should quit. You know, so right. you have to take a conscious role and, and find the evidence as to, to the contrary. You know? Right. Right. So, for sure. What happened with you it. the other day that you were wanting to quit everything? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, there was a series. Well, I had an interview two days before with a shaman and he said a few things that were just beautiful and profound, but you know, sometimes because of the type of mom that I choose to be, we can, we can suggest and we can guide, but we never force. Yeah. And that's the same with my leadership skills outside of my household. So my leadership skills with my clients, um, but the idea that I'm doing all of these things to help myself be better and healthier and then the overwhelm of COVID. I'm going to get emotional. <laughs> the That's overwhelm right. of COVID. And just what's the point? 
what's the point in working so hard? Yeah, I don't want to go back to what my life used to be, you yeah. know. Um, I, <laughs> I've been going to the beach for grounding practices. My focus has been the first chakra for the last two weeks, which yeah. has been beautiful. So I've been going to the beach and walking my dog, running sprints, and just playing in the ocean with my dog. Nice. And it's been really wonderful. But the idea of healing the first chakra, it's not just about healing it. It's, it's, you can't fast forward. You can't jump so quickly, right? So it's going through the motions of healing the first chakra and whatever's coming up today. And so as we're talking, I'm just reflecting on that. And it's like one of my coaches in the business coaching said, you know, you need to manage your mind always. But if you can't coach yourself, who can you coach? And right now with the a different level of coaching engagement happening um, with clients, sometimes I question, am I just showing up with my mask and do I, am I really doing all the work myself and am mm. I really on point? You know, I just start to question my intentions and with my kids, I, I honor that I'm not a helicopter parent. I honor that I allow them to do their thing because with every action, you know, there's a ripple effect of our choices. And so when I look at them, I never want to take that growth away from them. And I don't want to take my growth away from myself. But in talking to you, I believe in therapy. I believe it's super important to have coaches and there's a, a different process for each one. And I love that. Um, but my coach encountered two days before was really positive. And, and then my therapy encounter was going the other way because the one-on-one -on -one time is not there socially. Mm. Um, the socialization is just in these groups, you know, 10 to 20 people on a Zoom call. That's not really quite the same connection. No, right? it's not. So, I, I, I hope that this is not going to last too much longer. I think, I think it'll give it a couple more months, then we'll be back to being in person, but hopefully it's not going to be all this digital stuff. I, even in the industry that I was very active in before this stuff happened with dancing, I mean, now they're like, doing vi virtual dance competitions and, you know, send your video of yourself dancing. I'm like, that's not a dance competition. It's, no. it's stupid. <laughs> right. It's just not the same. Yeah, it's not the no, same. It's not. Yeah. I mean, I think we need, I need, we need that physical interaction. We need social interaction. We need, you know, identity in a sense of, you know, not hiding yourself. I mean, it's such a, again, you can think what you want out there, you know, with, with mass, but it's just, there's so, many reasons in my mind, unless you're really compromised in some way that you don't need to be wearing a mask. I mean, the psychological effect of muzzling yourself and, uh, you know, living as a, like a subordinate almost, you're like, Oh, you know, got a muzzle and there's the little audio in the, in the whatever store that you're in grocery store, you know, hello, have you you know, checked your mask today? Have you washed your hands? Like, what am I in fucking George Orwell right now? <laughs> I think I the part can't. that gets me is the brainwashing of, you know, we're in uncertain times. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Do you know how much psychology Love that marketing? Script. Everybody has that script. You look it's, at every commercial, they're awful. all the same. It's awful. And to it look is. at the courses that I'm taking and go, really, this is, there's a lot of psychology in what we're going through. And I realize now it's, it's a lot. It's a lot and it's created to be a lot. So we feel weighed down. And that's why no matter working on the first chakra or the throat chakra, so we can speak, right? So right now you're right. We're being muzzled. We don't get yeah. to speak our piece. We don't get, so our, our voice maybe has a little more emotion behind it. So that's working with that chakra. So it's hard to, that's my goal is to share 
how people can work with their body when it shows up in these different ways. Like you're not crazy. You're not alone. You're a normal human. We all get to go through this and there are answers. And that's why you do what you do. That's why I do what I do. And I realized that to your point exactly. And what I looped it back to is that we have to experience it in order to be able to guide others through it. But could you imagine going through this? Had you not had the last 17 years? Oh yeah. For your training? Be, maybe get lost, man. I mean, you would totally get lost. It's right now is the time that really, I think divides people. And what I mean by that is not like politically divide, but this kind of event, which is a once in a history of humankind event type of thing it's really like an awakening time where you have to choose, do I live in faith or do I live in fear? Which one, you know, do I, do I follow what I'm really passionate about or do I stay comfortable? You know, do I live in that system of abuse that was making the world go around in the past or do I choose authenticity and and value? And uh, that's why everybody's calling it the great awakening, but it's really true. I mean, think about the last time that the entire world was forced to stop that's something, you know, that's a really huge thing. When people are forced to stop, then all that momentum comes to a halt. And then suddenly you're looking around and like, wait a minute, maybe that direction I was going wasn't so hot after all. Maybe I should go over this way, you know? So that's huge that we're all doing that on a collective, uh, collective level. I mean, I think this warp is a profound <laughs> warp speed. Yeah. Warp, warp speed. speed. Yeah. Warp speed. And it's an exciting time, especially if you are in the service of others, because I think, we're going to move into a new world of, of that kind of economy where people are authentic. It's more value driven. It's more expression driven. It's more, uh, you know, honesty driven rather than all these uh, systemically abusing mechanisms that have been since the dawn of time, you know, whatever you want to call it from freaking central bank to Facebook and the algorithm and trying to make sure you get enough likes to people see your post. you know, like, that's all abuse. It's all basically just somebody telling you what to do and controlling the the outcome. Yes. Whereas real life is, is authentic. It's a cooperation. It's a, you know, the real market is an integrated thing where everybody's moving around. It's, it's active. There's equal participation. It's not this control that's going on. And I think all of that is changing. I think everything is moving in that direction. So it's exciting. I'm really, I'm excited. You know, everybody's crazy, you know, about this whole 2020 thing, but I think it's a great time. And, if you live in faith, then, then the alignment of all this shit that's going on right now is going to work towards your favor. This is an opportune right. time to change your life right now, this year. Opportune right. time to redesign Absolutely. and redirect. So it's like all you need to do is just realign the internal and the energy of the of what's going on right now. Is It's it's going to do and it for you. always going to be the right person, right place, right time. My belief around each one of us is a vessel of change, for yeah. change. And somebody can accept that or not accept it. But the reality is, is that we're meant to help support others who are changing and going through that transition is scary and hard, but validating that. That's my favorite part about the biohacking is watching what shows up when and how do we work with that. And as much as I'm more of a yogi hacker, biohacker, (laughs) I'm not looking to cut corners. I'm just looking to understand myself and my human experience better so that I can have more compassion for myself because then that ripples out to having more compassion for others. And that helps families get along and stay families, even if they disagree on things. Um, So I think for, for me with all of this, it's a really good reminder that no matter how hard I try, it's like an everyday trying. 
it's, it's not like I finally get there where I'm doing the best, right? Because every day is going to be a little bit different. And to your point earlier, we can't monitor the pollens or the molds that are happening around us. But I do believe that each one of us is like a farmhouse blend of beer or wine, if you will, with all the oh, pollens yeah. collecting and changing <laughs> ultimately the outcome of that human. And so when we're stressed and we don't know how to calm ourselves, is it because of, you know, I mean, you broke down that whole situation. You said that could have been confused with a panic attack like years ago could you've confused that and so I think it's fair to say as I look at my clients and my children and I talk openly about what they're experiencing I don't want anyone to feel like what they're going through is unusual but I also don't want to dismiss that what they're going through is unique but there's special Mm -hmm. wisdom attached to it and so where it shows up in our body so it's showing up in your heart I too had arrhythmias heart problems had to go through my heart chakra journey Um, so when you say that it's scary, but for years before I had had, I didn't know it was a panic attack, but it was happening because of eating things that were high in aflatoxins. It was because I was living in a home that had water damage, not just one time, but many times different homes over my whole lifetime, not realizing until learning about podcasts. And podcasts are just free information. It's beautiful. It's such a feminine sharing energy. It's meant to build and grow and share. And it's bringing people more in tune with that level of communication. Um, I couldn't imagine a better time to have podcasts coming up. Can you imagine going through all of this and not having this type of communication? Yeah, not having the the accessibility to information and communication. Yeah, how scary that would be. That would be, yeah. When you think of our grandparents, I mean, they went through like World War II and, you know, all these huge life events. There was no internet at that time. No, but they had propaganda. They They had had propaganda, yeah. They had psychology helping create the content they wanted to feed you to get you motivated towards something bigger, right? So um, maybe people were more unified back then. But I think we know so much now, we start to question. And so it's like in yoga, we talk about the veils, the illusions, and the facades and without even knowing I would be sucked into this way of exploring life, I unknowingly named my daughter Maya. So now it's fun to go through life just going, okay, and what's another illusion? What's another facade, especially now going through this. And so it's beautiful to explore like how in tune we can be with nature or with our friends and your intuitiveness in your situations. You were really listening. Um, I think that's really important with what we're going through as well. With, with our health and the healthier you are and working with your gut, um, we have a better level of intuition. Do you think that people's um, chakra imbalances also reflect in physical problems? I do. And I what's do. the relationship and how do, you, how do you go about that? So it's not like each chakra is in a certain place, if you will. Um, for example, one of my girlfriends got breast cancer a few years ago. And so to look at myself and to look at her, she's a body worker and to look at where the negative energy had trapped in her body and past traumas that were all connected to the heart chakra. She had um, been doing body work on people, but also energetic healing and she wasn't letting go. Right. So she, that energy got trapped in her body in the heart Mm. chakra. So in times where I feel like I've poured my heart out, I literally feel a like a spaciousness like you know when you're standing outside and you feel the breeze and you're just like caught up in the the wind like you feel it everywhere except it was happening inside me and so it's like 
is there an invitation to do some heart healing there? Well, I know that I've worked really hard on my heart healing. I mean, I had a heart surgery, but it's pointed out in the chakra healing that these diseases in our body, when we're doing certain yoga poses, we can open up those places in our body. And then by breathing, doing pranayama breathing, which now they have the neuroscience to talk about the whys and hows of what's happening in the body um, and happening in the brain and the visceral effect, it is calming down the nervous system. But I'm not an expert in that. I just take the information from biohacking and yoga and bring them together to simplify it. So I see a connection directly. I see when my first chakra is off, how um, it shows up in my body for sure. And then I've had Reiki training, but I've also had Reiki done where we're moving the energy through these body parts, but thoughts and ideas and emotions come up and that's, it's, it becomes an embodiment practice, but also something as simple as like, I'll go mountain biking and I go into a flow state and my pain's gone. But then even if I crash, am I afraid? Was I worried? Like those emotions can get stuck in our body where those injuries happen. So there's a lot to be said about what comes up in our thoughts, but if our thoughts our, um, if our body believes our thoughts, then where is that reality happening? And so that's a, a big part of yoga, but it, it, it resonates with me. It makes sense to me what I'm going through in my human experience. Could it be wrong? Sure. But it gives me comfort in understanding myself a little bit more. Um, so it's, it's a loose belief system for me to, to kind of work with. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've found it to be a, actually one of my future book projects would be on the seven chakras. So I'm curious what you, what you think about them, yeah. because I think they're, they're pretty effective structure, you know, for working on yourself. I mean, if you look, if you compare the seven chakras to like the Maslow's pyramid of human needs, I mean, they're, it's all the same stuff, you know, there's no, you're not reinventing the wheel. So I think they're very comprehensive and it's, I do find interesting, you know, like, it's so interesting because with this whole point about physical problems and chakra imbalances, you know, like right now as I'm healing my thyroid and it will, it will heal now definitively. I know exactly what the issue is. And now my book is about to be finished. And this book is represents everything I've wanted to say for the last 18 years. Right. And express through my throat and words. <laughs> so, so finally, now this is coming into the world and I have, have the courage and the focus to put it out there and I'm also healing my thyroid. So it's like, wow, isn't that funny? I always find that parallel between, and I look back on my life and I've seen the same thing, that the, the physical problems when I've had it, I was also transforming some aspects that had to do with the energy of that situation. You know, so whether it was safety or creativity, relationships, identity, whatever else, you know, so, so it's very interesting yeah. stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I do think that just working with each chakra doesn't mean that we're no longer going to have an invitation from life to process something else in that chakra. Yeah. You know, we're, we're an accumulation of a whole lot of life experience, but I do believe that our ingredients, um, all the way from the thoughts, uh, yoga pointed this out to me, the yoga teachings, that even in utero, our, our mom's thought processes can affect the body chemistry when in oh, you know, development. Yeah. And so it really made me consider a lot of things about what has showed up for my children. Um, I mean, I look at my 19-year-old daughter in the last year since she graduated high school, and I look at what she's going through and things she said that my ex-husband and I never said around her, but to look at all of a sudden she says it. 
and it's right in alignment and timing with where we were um, when wow. we said something similar. So it's hard to know, like, what is being born into us? Is it our ingredients of our parents, or is it our ingredients of the food, or the water, or the air? There's epigenetics too. I mean, all the stuff that yes. turns on and off while you're living. I mean, that's just a whole right. another dimension. It's crazy. Yes. Yeah. It's fun. It's so fun to be a mom and watch this happen. What do you think your biggest lesson has been from being a mom? That it's not my life. They're not mine. I'm just a vessel. Yeah. I'm just the vessel that brought them into the world. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And I, I parent them the way I wish I would have been parented, but my parents, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think I see now and admire now their way of parenting me. I was one of seven kids, so they had a lot. Oh, wow. <laughs> Were you the youngest? or No, I was third to the youngest. I had a younger third brother and a younger sister. Yeah. Seven kids. Wow, that's, that's nuts. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. So now looking back on your parents, what was one of your biggest realizations? Like in terms of, oh, I used to think of them this way, but now I realize blank. Right. right. So, so that has driven my life's work as well as trying to understand my parents and how they showed up. And so to look at yoga and human development and to look at different things. Um, I was inspired recently by a book called the, um, the gene keys and it reflects a lot on the I Ching and helping us understand our energetic, um, spiritual development, if you will. Mm -hmm. And so it helped me to understand human development. And I, I thought for a while I was going to do child psychology. So this is important to me in understanding and comparing. And so to look at how we change, you know, on these seven year cycles, Mm -hmm. mentally, emotionally, and physically seven to eight year cycles, and to look at how we can really shape ourselves, but shape our children and it shows up in yoga and it's showing up in human development. And so it just brought more pieces together and understanding, um, and then being more compassionate to myself and my parents and what they were doing or saying, and then looking at their cognitive decline in comparison to they're going back to more childlike ways. And then they're looking at introducing, or they started introducing more sugar back in. And so I'm looking even more at the cognitive decline. And I have clients who have Parkinson's um, or dementia, and I'm looking at what's happening during the aging process and how Mm. does that show up in the chakras? Um, How's it showing up? Like when my kids and I travel, we were in Japan for two weeks and to look at Japan and go, okay, where are they in their human development to be in Kyoto and to see the ancientness of these structures and people were just calm. You know, it was like, it was like, I was looking at a 65 year old man, right? Just like chilling out on his front porch. Like whole different culture over there. Yeah. Right. Whereas being in like Puerto Vallarta, going to a yoga retreat in the jungle, like there's just different ways to look at where each country is in its development, but it shows up to me like a stage in human development. And so certain actions and behaviors show up in that way, but it also shows up in our body with the chakras too. So I start to look at all of it and just go, there's no one thing. It's all these systems just coming together. But ultimately it comes back down to that compassion for the human experience. And since we're humans and we're meaning making creatures, I keep trying to make meaning of it all. Mm. Um, Yeah. Does that kind of answer it? (laughs) Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm just an open question, you know, honestly, it, uh, it's, everybody's got their own take on life. And I think uh, it, the fun thing is, is to see how does that evolve over time based on the things you experience? You know, so I look back on my own life and 
what I thought was important five years ago and what I think is important now. I mean, certain things kind of stay the same, but I don't know. It's, it's interesting. What, what do you feel is your guiding purpose right now or value? I would say like, what, what, what is it for you right now? Like meaning making out of life. Like if life is meaningless and you had to make meaning out of it and, and create a purpose for yourself, what is that right now for you? Um, I think that honoring each vessel, every person that comes into my life to reveal that part of myself that I struggle with so that I can work through whatever that shit is. What, was there something recently that you've learned about yourself from an encounter? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So last year I met someone really nice. I wasn't doing like dating website or anything just at, a very wholesome grocery store. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is cool. I just met someone at a salad bar, like get out, right? So so the problem was- Those are that, the hottest places to meet, man. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I thought so. I'm like, this is great. This is amazing. So after seven months of interacting with this person, I found out that I wasn't the only person they were interacting with, but I could see the decline in his health because he had just come mm. back from being overseas. He had been in ketosis for a large time um, and his training in the medical fields and all of these things. Um, but then when he came back to his normal life, then he went back to his old ways. So in the first month of meeting him, he had just gotten back. And so I watched his personality change and I saw his home environment change. And I saw that all of his ingredients were adding up to be something really negative. <clears throat> and on the back end of that, I found out I wasn't the only one he was dating. And so I just stopped. And in, in that, I just realized that, um, that there was a lot more to dating and interacting with adults and being a good example. It, it just disappointed myself. It disappointed my kids. Um, you know, it just, it was a big disappointment. And then on the tail end to have COVID happen and go, okay, so I'm still gathering tools on how to show up better in relationships. And how do I like maximize every learning experience so I don't go back to that? So I don't draw in mm. certain things, you know what I mean? So yeah. at the beginning of COVID to process, okay, what... And who are we aligning ourselves with? What belief systems? Where is our safe bubble of belief systems? And what is that um, built upon, right? And so how firmly are we holding to those belief systems? And so I got to explore a lot of different belief systems. And he was simply the vessel. And I never lashed out at him, no matter what I felt in the engagement with him. Um, if I felt ignored, I would text him and say, thank you so much for being the vessel that helps me to explore, you know, myself a little bit more. So I was trying to give thanks. Like I'm doing a walking meditation almost daily, just giving thanks and just saying, okay, this is what's being triggered. I'm going to give thanks, but not be specific. Does that make sense? Like yeah. it went hand in hand with my yoga practices as well. Yeah. So it, I want to break cycles. I see cycles in my parents. And yeah. a lot of those cycles I see brought into my own life and I see brought into my children's life. And I want to make sure that I identify them, work with them and myself, work with them with my children before they procreate. That's my goal. So that's my most transformational purpose right now is doing that for myself and then sharing with others that within three to four generations, because of epigenetics, changing belief systems, changing our ingredients, we can change 
three to four generations down the road in a very impactful way. It's crazy how things get transferred down. I mean, it's just, it, it's hardwired for information to just pass through right. in so many ways. And it's like, man, you, you really have to develop your awareness. It's, it's a lifelong practice. There's so many things, you know, when you, when you look at how, like you said, your parents behave and then, you know, you realize like, oh shit, I'm, I am my parents. <laughs> and well, then the you're patterns. like, yeah, the, the patterns, patterns, right. The patterns of people I was choosing. I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah, you're dating your parents. I mean, it's totally same, dating it's, my it's parents. crazy. It's really fucking crazy. Like when you get there, you're like, what the fuck? Like, that's so weird. Literally every woman that I've dated is either my mom or my dad. Like they've triggered <laughs> yes. me either, either yes. the way my mom triggers me or the way my dad triggers me. Right. So that's that it's invitation like, to just dig in. <laughs> yeah. Or it makes you high and go, that's ah, code. I'm not going to deal with dating. Yeah. But you still got to deal, deal with the dating. shit, right? Yeah, still? no, you still have to. Because ultimately, even if it's not dating, like, for example, women clients that I deal with, you know, my, my relationship with my mom has improved a lot. And that's helped me deal with women clients, you know, and, and, yeah. and serve them better because women clients that do things like my mom that triggered me like my mom, they're going to trigger me like my mom, you know, yeah, plain and simple. Or, you know, my relationship with the other men in the sense of my relationship with my dad, you know, and basically having no sense of uh, intimidation or avoidance or, you know, this kind of sense, you know, so it's, it's, you have, your parents are the final frontier. If your parents are alive, you have to heal that relationship as much as possible before they die because otherwise you're going to have a lot of practicing to do with the people that you want in your life as new relationships, whether it's friendships, business partners, romantic relationships. So, right, right. Yeah, yeah it's, it's the final frontier, man. It's crazy. Your parents are, they're so hard wired in your brain. <laughs> it's just like, it, yes. it's, if you can master reacting with your parents, then you've, you've done a lot for yourself, I think. I work really hard on that. I work really hard on that. But also at the same time on the backside, I do like to narrate to my children what I'm going through because I want them to know what it feels like if I do that with them <clears throat> so we can work on it. So yeah. my son's 14 and I noticed the invitation for me to help refine my son as a young man um, to help him learn and grow past what his dad's developed in himself to look at all of this information and just say, you know what, if all I can do is keep gathering tools to help my son, you know, what's ultimately going to happen is that my son will stop showing up as a 14 and he will have the tools to then act like a 15 and a 16, you know, and so on and have these proper experiences based on the development of a brain. Um, so when my kids talk about things they do if they're remorseful or disappointed I try to gently remind them you're doing a normal teenager thing we're all very open with each other in my house so it's really fun to watch them realize okay I am doing a normal teenage thing but at the same point they watch their dad and I come out of the divorce and still be friends they watch their dad fall in love with someone else and their words were dad's acting like a 12 year old and I said pause I said, it's beautiful because some really sad things happened to your dad when his family moved 
he, he didn't get to connect on a social level. And maybe that's some healing he's going through as a 12-year-old. So to take these yoga ideas, right, these chakra healing ideas and connect it and help them understand like the human development behind what they're watching, their dad and this woman, and they're the best people to partner with in co-parenting. They're wonderful. But the fact that my children <clears throat> can now see the humanness of it and they don't judge this in their dad or in her. It just softens up that level of communication in us all instead of them being angry or disappointed in how their dad acts. So that's big. Does that make sense? Like yeah. these are things I want to heal for my kids before they procreate because yeah. perhaps those epigenetic switches can be, you know, like on a dimmer. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Back no, absolutely. That's the kind of awareness I think that is missing from a lot of parenting. You know, we kind of just keep transferring the same mistakes that we experience from our parents onto our children. I don't have kids, but you know, it's like, I don't know. Every time I, <laughs> I part of me wants kids, it's like, okay, you got to find the right person for that. But every time I see somebody with a child that's screaming, I'm just like, Oh my God, I don't want to do my friends. My two best friends, one of my two best friends have, they both have kids. They both have little kids now. We've known each other for like 30 years and it's just like, oh my God, like that is a real commitment, man. You are not sleeping for at least a couple of years. <laughs> a lot. It's a lot. It's and there's no humbling. And you got to have the right person. Otherwise it's yes. just like, you need to have that foundation. There's so much of a foundation you need for, for children. That's yes. crazy. I would change everything, but not yeah. like I love my kids, but I would change all my ingredients if I was to start over and procreating do you know what i mean yeah. like what i know now compared to 20 years ago totally different totally different well you know with all these uh anti-aging things people might be living until like 200 years old you might have all kinds of, <laughs> all, all kinds of chances to have as many kids as you want i mean right <laughs> imagine if you could push the envelope and live to be 150 160 i mean i could have three more rounds of kids Go yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean Theoretically, I mean, if there's ways to recover and maintain your body in shape without having to have sort of the cumulative damage, obviously, from having kids, I mean, yeah. you could have a huge family, which is, I mean, it would be really interesting to have like great, 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 great grandchildren. I mean, that's crazy. It'd be amazing. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Cheers to living forever. No. <laughs> Cheers. You know what? I'm down. I'm down. I, I watched Star Trek as a kid. One of my biggest fantasies would be to explore the universe on a ship and just learn and why not? You know, if you can live as long as possible, why not? Yeah. Why not? It's not about living long. It's about tasting this game. I mean, think about like people who have a lot of experience, like they're 80 or 90, you know, and how much memory you have and how you can bring that to the present moment. Imagine what your present moment would be like if you could live to be like 150, your sense of context. Like that would be like, like I want to taste that. It's like a wine, like it's a $150 wine or 150 year old wine. Like, you know, that's, it's the flavor, you know, you got to try it, you know? So yeah, I would, I so would definitely. The more people I meet through all of my interviews and the more I hear about their life experiences, it's incredible to realize I don't have to live what they've lived. And the more people I meet, I realize, you know, we're all so connected with our, our ideas of what interests us, our love, yeah. our passion. And it's so neat to meet people who are in their 60s, 70s, and 80s who are doing what I love. You know, to have email conversations with amazing people. I was emailing with Stan Groff like two months ago. Like, that's amazing. 
that man's awesome. done some yeah. amazing things. And I look at this collection of information and all we can do is keep collecting more just to understand what other people have lived. But I believe that what you're doing is amazing and this sharing of information is so important for us to be able to love others even more. Absolutely. Loving ourselves too. That's That's been a, a big one for me in my life is just learning how to love myself, be forgiving, self-acceptance, being grateful for my body, being kind to my body, being patient. I mean, it's just like these things, they, they sound so simple, but really they're the, the, some of the hardest things to do in life. Yeah. You know, we all want the fanciest latest hack with the latest mindset trick, the latest thing, but look, these things have been figured out already thousands of years, you know, be present, be patient, you know, there's, there's nothing to it. It's really just about practicing these things. I think that's, that's the unsexy answer. That's the unsexy <laughs> I agree. personal growth answer that nobody wants is that it, the answer isn't complicated. It's, it's simple. You just have to do it over and over again. You that's that's where you it. get the value. Yeah, you just have to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. That's well, it's been good. so awesome, Tricia. I mean, this has Thank been, you. I love the stream of consciousness that we've got going here. This is good. <laughs> What are you most grateful for right now? I think what I'm most grateful for right now is this. This is a good refresher of everything I'm grateful for, you know, especially yeah. my dis-ease, the, you know, the uncomfortable feelings in my body that motivate me to feel better than I felt yesterday, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, what about you? What are you most thankful <laughs> for today? <laughs> What am I most thankful for? You know what? I'm thankful for the lesson that I had a couple days ago that I told you about with that emergency room. I'm really grateful for that. I'm grateful that my body is strong, that it's resilient, and I'm grateful that I've been given the perfect body to withstand the lessons that I need to learn in this life. Because it's it's been the perfect body. I mean, in the sense, everything I've dealt with, I'm still fine, I'm still healthy, still good. My body's taken a beating and, you know, I'm in, I'm in good shape. And so... The body's there for the mind to learn and the spirit to learn and everything else. So I'm grateful for, for having that body. So, yeah, I guess a similar thing with the health. <laughs> so, well, Thank you for listening to your invitation from life to do what you do. Right, guys. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with my friend Trisha Reed. You know, hope it inspired you to take a look at your own life journey and ask yourself, where is it? You know, where is it going? Direction is much more important than speed. What resonated with you in that conversation? We talked all about health. We talked about healing, spirituality, energy work. We covered so many things. You know, notice what was the biggest breakthrough for you? What was the thing that really connected for you? And take action on that one area and pursue it. That's the little breadcrumb from the universe today for the next step for you. So take action on it. Let me know what you find out. You can always email me, tutor at danceoflife.com. I love hearing from people about how the action they take changes their life, even if it's a little change. Learn to notice those things because the act is evidence for your future gratitude, for your future abundance and manifestation and happiness in life. If you enjoyed this episode and you want to connect with Trisha, 
you can go to www.perspectiveshiftcoaching.me. And if you want to connect with her for that discovery call, you can email her at perspectiveshiftcoaching at gmail.com for a little meet and greet discovery call. Trisha does a lot of wonderful programs. So if you're interested in anything that we talked about today, make sure you follow up with her and see what she's offering currently. Let's not forget our quote from good old Socrates, to know thyself is the beginning of wisdom. How true, how true. You know, the only only journey in life is the one of knowing ourselves. That's, That's really it. This is a lifetime's practice. And as we grow and add to that practice with the various things we learn, various hacks, various, you know, strategies, whatever else, belief systems, you know, we evolve. I call it choreographing your dance of life. You know, today we have a lot of amazing tools, especially in this episode that we covered. So I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you take one of those tools and take action on it. Add it to your own dance of life and see where it's going to take you. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Hope you have an amazing rest of your weekend. Make sure you tune in on Tuesday for a little Transformation Tuesday. We're going to be talking about mindfulness next weekend, or next week, actually. On Friday, I'm going to be interviewing mindfulness and communication expert and best-selling author Cynthia Kane. She's a mindfulness teacher. She's written three books on how to communicate uh, and be more mindful in life. And we have so many wonderful things that we're talking about, kind of continuing the theme of this week and into more mindfulness, specifically meditation and communication. So if any of that stuff is important to you, and if any of that stuff is important to anybody in your life, make sure you share this episode with them and let them know about next week. And until then, thank you so much for being here. Remember, your life is a dance, so go out there and dance it well. For more inspiration, free resources, and bonus content, stay connected at danceoflife.com.